0: Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. All right, everyone, wherever you are and however you may be listening, welcome. To another edition of the Sports Rivals as we head into our third show of the season three. The Sports Rivals are ready to roll. So for Ernie, I'm Monty and we are ready. Ernie? Nope. NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Somehow, we're going to get into it a little bit more in detail in a little bit. But somehow, when the Rams aren't playing and the Steelers aren't playing... There's just not that much (laughs) interest coming from my household uh, in these playoffs. But there's been some riveting moments so far, some shocking results uh, or some shocking comebacks that we'll dive into. But we wanted to start a little bit talking a little bit of Hawaii sports, specifically at first the University of Hawaii. Uh, It was a quite a a momentous occasion this week at the Stan Sheriff Arena when the UH volleyball team unveiled their banner representing their back-to-back national championship. They have essentially the whole team back, so going for a three-peat is something that's a real possibility. They had a hard rub against Ball State with another local boy, a Baldwin graduate, as their coach, some local players now on that team. Ball State gave them all they could handle, but UH prevailed both nights in four sets to, to get off to a good start. But Ernie, right now, that men's volleyball team at the University of Hawaii has got to be the most successful program at the University of Hawaii right now. Oh, yeah. Possibly the most successful program in the University of Hawaii in the last 30, 40 years in terms of national champion caliber. Oh,
1: easily. I mean, if you compare that to the time where the Wahine volleyball team was bringing home national championships, uh, you could definitely, uh, you know, put them in the argument. But as far as back-to-back and potentially back-to-back-to-back Yeah, I mean, that's unquestioned right now And and with everybody coming back And and this is not like how it is as as women's volleyball I mean, uh, I don't want to bring down the men's division Because women's volleyball, there are like 400 teams In the men's
0: division, there are like 40 yeah, if that, if yeah. that, so there is there is a difference now right. because right. Title Nine, for all of its benefits, one of the casualties has been men's volleyball, right? Um, because more and more and more colleges has just done away with men's volleyball because it's really hard to sustain when you have only four scholarships for an entire roster of players. So you're absolutely right there. But I'm sitting at the Stan Sheriff last night at the UH basketball game, looking at those two men's banners, and then to my left, I'm looking up at the banners for the Wahine, their national championships but their national championships were 79 82 Mm -hmm. 83 87 it's been a long Long time time since the wahine have been nationally relevant Um, ever since title nine and the ability for all of these national uh, colleges to funnel money into women's volleyball it's been a challenge because we can't keep our best volleyball players home anymore we used to have in our days when we were in school it was the Tony Nishidas and it was the Jocelyn Robbins and, right. um, and and those local all the best local girls stayed here and then you would bring in a Dietra Collins or a T Williams, T Williams right? you know so we're dating ourselves rolling off those names there that we went <laughs> to school with at UH at the same time but it's been a while you know so hopefully Robin Amo can get that back but I have my doubts I mean it is a challenge right now to compete with the Because look at the University of Texas who won the national championship this year. They have three local girls on their team. Oh, yeah. They have Jocelyn's daughter, uh, Kaylee, is there. They have the player of the year out of Kamehameha uh, last year, that's there as well. And then the Ilani setter, uh, was there? So you have three local girls leading Texas to a national championship. What if they stayed home? What could that be for Hawaii? So, but again, congratulations to the to the men's volleyball. They really need to do well because the University of Hawaii. We talked about this last week. Is counting on that revenue from big crowds at men's volleyball mm. to help. Uh, finance the program. So I just mentioned that Ernie. I was last night. I was at the game. Not only me. It's fun to see Kulea bayani in the front seat with her significant other and those black high, high, uh, high budget seats there, right there on the court. <laughs> I saw Alan Mia with the rest of the press gang there. Um, and again, they are the leaders of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network of which Ernie and I are, are a part of. But. The men's program off to a great start. Beat Long Beach State last night in a game that just seemed to last forever. So many fouls, high intensity. I thought the University of Hawaii should have beat them a little bit more handily considering the fact that With all the bad weather in in California, Long Beach State's Wednesday game that pushed back to Thursday, Mm -hmm. they were supposed to fly in Friday. Their flight gets pushed back. They didn't arrive until 4 o'clock in the morning Saturday, the day of the game, and they had to play that night. So you can imagine that's really, really difficult. Those of you that fly to Hawaii or Hawaii people flying to the mainland, when you take that red eye flight and then expect it to play a competitive, high intensity basketball game, I thought they showed themselves really, really well. Uh, pulls it off. They're now thirteen and four on the year, four and one in conference. They are tied for second. Uh, Irvine and Santa Barbara are off to undefeated starts in the conference, but. Looks like men's basketball is going to be right there. And again, same like volleyball, we need big crowds. There are forty-two hundred people there last night. We got to get that to 8,500. The only way that happens, they got to keep winning. Yeah, they got to keep winning. I think. But I think they
1: got to keep winning, and they got to. To me, in my opinion, this team has to make it to a postseason tournament and at least pass the first. Whether it be, you know, the NIT or the NCA. If it's the NIT, they're going to have to show well. If it's the NCA, at least put a good showing on top of it. Hawaii fans are fair with. I hate to say it, Hawaii fans are fair-weather fans.
0: Yeah, they are a core group of fans, right. you know, those older people that are always going to be there, but you're right, the majority of people chase winners and we love being in a in a in a winning environment. Yeah, and it's not just the winning
1: of that. It's 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 the, it's it's coming off the season part. I remember going to Pack UH stadiums, you know, where the team wasn't as good as the previous year But because of the success of the prior year it was packed same thing for basketball Mm -hmm. I remember going to basketball games when it was
0: uh, 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 Alika Smith Smith. and AC Carter exactly it was 10,000 people almost every single game Yeah, I remember going to the last to the WAC
1: uh, playoffs in Vegas and Hawaii fans traveled, man, over there. I mean, that, that stadium was rocking. Although, they, I, I, you know, the UH felt that it, it was, you know, a very, very committed crowd. But I can't remember a crowd like that in the last 20 years.
0: Yeah, it's been it's it's been a while. So, great start for the men's basketball program. We have the prohibitive favorite to be the three-time national champion in volleyball. We need them to really have good successful seasons and the people of Hawaii to get out there and support your Rainbow Warrior programs, even the women, because every time you show up and buy a ticket, you're helping the UH program Prosper, especially as we go through this transition here with football. So, Ernie, the other thing that came out this week that I want to spend a little bit of time on, I know Kule and Alan uh, really hit hard on this when it first came out, but there are a couple of legislators, again, mm-hmm. that are asking for a consideration of gambling in the state of Hawaii. Now, not full gambling. I think they, they realize that that has constantly been shot down. Their thought is to have like a scaled back, gambling house, quote unquote, where you could go to play sports bets and possibly poker. So not slot machines, not tables for blackjack and roulette, not a casino as you traditionally know it if you go to Vegas or or an Indian reservation on the mainland, but strictly uh, a gambling house here. That has never been successful before, but let's spend a couple of minutes about, do you think that this has a chance of passing? Uh, In some form or fashion, I would say yes,
1: Uh, not immediately. Again, I think one of the reasons, and and Hawaii is one of those, we're a very liberal state. We don't follow other liberal states who have, uh, you know, allowed gambling. I think we're one of two states, us and Utah, that don't have some type of form of gambling, whether it be legalized gambling or some type of lottery out there, Uh, which means that there are underlying reasons why we don't have it. And the number one, and as much as you hate to, uh, uh, you think uh, criminal activity doesn't lead to other mischievous activity, it does. And I think that's one of the big reasons why there are uh, opponents rather than proponents for legalized gambling. But in a form of like a lottery, I would say yes. To me, the online part is very it's very up in the air because you have sites like FanDuel, you have other sites like- uh, DraftKings. Yeah, a lot. And that kind of muddies the water. So I don't see why, Uh, if you're gonna do that, those other established uh, online betting, they're gonna clean house. I mean, to me, you're not gonna make, so then you're only gonna allow poker. Uh, That's, to me, it it doesn't work. They gotta find they gotta really dig down deep and go fine line on top of this before I can think that this has any chance to pass.
0: Yeah, so this has nothing to do with the lottery, although I would be a complete proponent of the lottery. I mean I think Oh, yeah. How many Hawaii people, when you're on the mainland, buy a lottery ticket or two? Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and you're right. We're one of only two states. The other state is Alabama. Even Utah oh. is now having really? having the per- lobby wow. participation. But I think you can generate money to for good, positive reasons. So I think one of the, one of the reasons some of the you know opponents of this is that gambling leads to irresponsible behavior yeah. and maybe maybe some worse activity. So yeah. you can funnel some of that income into preventative things uh, in in that regard. But I think having a lottery is, it just makes sense when you're one of only two of the 50 uh, states to not have it. Now, in this particular case, I mean, Ernie, let's let's be real, I mean, we, we went to UH and one of the things that... I used to do when I was at UH would be waking up at five o'clock in the morning and calling the runners and placing <laughs> bets you know for games or or calling Hawaii Sports YHSW for those of you that can remember that one of our local sportscaster was the voice of that when we were in college uh, getting their picks getting their predictions football and sports betting in Hawaii is huge business, rapid rapid business right now and, and I think one of the problems, like it or not, I think one of the problems is that those that are running those operations now have some power and, and they have some say. And I, and I think they are, of course, in no way, shape, or form interested in having some form of legalized sports right. betting. So I think that's one problem. The other lobby that has strong uh, opposition to this is Sam Boyd and those people in Las Vegas oh, yeah. who have zero interest in helping Hawaii take keep Vegas from being that ninth island where exactly. all of the Hawaii people go there to spend their money and to gamble. They don't want anything to happen here locally. So you have these outside forces that have vested interests in preventing this from happening. And you have the few people that are, are real... Are gonna be anti anything that could possibly lead to anything negative. So you're gonna have that. But I believe the forces coming from internal, from let's just say, um, creative sources locally. Manapura money, money. Yes, as, <laughs> as well as well as the lobby coming from places like Las Vegas. I think that's the real reason why this is really, really difficult yeah. to get legalized. But it does it financially, it makes no sense for us not to do it. Because as those of us know that bet illegally growing up not anymore, not anymore, but before <laughs> locally you bet 6-5. Yes. So you're 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 at, you know when you buy it in Vegas or these places yes. you're betting eleven ten. Yeah. So it is you're preventing excessive losses by having to front your money in these kinds of places. The other thing that happened and I saw this happen to friends of mine is in Hawaii, when you're betting through these houses, you don't have to front the money. So you have some right. people that'll lose and be like, oh my gosh, I can't cover this. So they double chase, up and chase. then they double up. Right. And then by the end of Monday, when they've lost four games in a row, they now they owe the 20, 30,000, <laughs> they go into hiding. And they're in, you know, they got to go into hiding because uh, there's going to be a price to pay. And I don't mean financially, right. you know, so there's actually... Safety reasons that prevent you from doing that when you have to front the money to place a bet So, I mean, this is just an interesting topic like anything else in Hawaii This has been talked about since we were kids. Probably it still hasn't happened. I think it should happen I have my doubts that it will.
1: Yeah, I mean going back to the lottery I mean how many people have gone to like graduation parties and they did the the 50-50 raffle half goes to The graduate half goes to winning the pot I mean, that's... Money's being exchanged, there, people. I mean, that's... Or every golf tournament does yeah, the exact same yeah, thing. every a,
0: fundraising To event. me, that's a
1: very fine line in regards to gambling. in As it pertains to, like, the lottery. Because then you're, you're placing odds on top of that. So, to me, that part should happen. Uh, like you said, the powers that be probably preventing it, I think if it does happen, I think it's going to be where it's going to go to the courts. And the courts are going to decide. And if it does go to the courts gambling will happen.
0: All right. So, Hawaii fans, let us know what you think. I mean, do you support having legalized gambling in some form? Do you support a lottery? Just let us know on social media, at Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. We'd be excited to hear what your input is i think most sports fans on hawaii are going to agree with ernie and i that it should happen in some way shape or form but i'm also interested in the contrary for somebody who has a reason why it shouldn't happen let us know we can dialogue a little bit but ernie let's transition that was about as much political talk as we can get again that's ernie i'm monty we are the sports rivals season three NFL football, let's talk playoffs because we have to. I mean, we do have to talk. Saturday games, San Francisco struggled 17-16 at halftime, losing to Seattle, explode in the second half and wallop the Seahawks. Not a real surprise there, your Super Bowl pick there. But I think the big story of day one was the Jacksonville Jaguars and Los Angeles Chargers. By the time I turned on the game, it was 17-0. I kept watching, I could not believe... Five turnovers in the first half. Four interceptions by Trevor Lawrence. It's 27-0. to They score right before the half. And lo and behold, on a last-second field goal, the Jaguars defeat the Chargers 31-30. Your thoughts on that comeback and what that means for both teams. I, I, I mean, this was one of the ones that I thought
1: Jackson would actually pull out, but not in this... Not in this form or fashion. Well, I, was, but I mean, I thought it was a tremendous comeback going into the fourth quarter when the Chargers were leading thirty to twenty. So, okay, this is a good showing, you know. If not for the turnovers, or why not? Or whatnot, I have my justification for actually telling you guys that I thought Jacksonville should win this game. But boy, <laughs> that last field goal was like, wow! And again, I always had this with with the Chargers. They find the Chargers are a very good team. Eckler is an excellent running back. I mean, they got all the pieces in the right places on offense and defense, but they cannot put it together. And lo and behold, against the Jaguars at their place because because you know they won their division, pull it off thirty to thirty one in miraculous. More or less, I don't know if you if if you're a Jacksonville
0: fan, it was miraculous. If you are a Charger fan extremely disappointing fashion disastrous so i think my two takes from this one a one positive one negative this goes with the negative first on the on the the charger side i think brandon staley was taking a lot of heat coming into this game because mike williams as you know fractured his back in a game last week he was going to miss probably all of the playoffs in a meaningless game. So the fact that they were playing starters last week against Denver in a game that didn't mean anything already had Brandon Staley being questioned. Now, I'm not saying that yesterday was his fault because he's a defensive coach. That defense had five turnovers. They took the ball away five times. Offensively, they didn't turn the ball over at all. Yet somehow, Jacksonville was able to come back. I honestly think that Brandon Staley is going to be in some trouble. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I think that there's a, there's an expectation that they should be better than they are. I think the fact that he, he screwed up, in many people's opinion, playing his starters against that Denver, losing a key component in Mike Williams hurt him. And then just the embarrassment of being up 27-0 and losing I think is a problem. And I was just turning, telling Ernie this off the air, speaking about legalized gambling, there was a gentleman when the game went to 27-0 yesterday, he put on the money line $1.4 million on the Chargers to win the game. So those of you that don't know what that means, all the Chargers had to do was win and he would win this bet. The key part is he put $1.4 million down to win $11,000. I don't understand the logic in risking 1.4 million to win eleven thousand. That makes absolutely no sense to me. Your return on investment is less than one percent. Yeah. An ego. Lo and behold, an ego bet. he lost one point four million dollars. So if he has his way or she has their way, Brendan Staley's gonna be <laughs> out the coach of the Chargers. I mean that's just crazy. That is, that that's is just crazy. Now on the positive side, I think Trevor Lawrence It could not have gone worse in that first half. I mean, some of the interceptions was bad luck. He got tipped. Others, the, the defensive backs were playing super physical. He was trying to squeeze it in. Asante Samuel had three interceptions. But his mental fortitude... To put the four interceptions away and come back and throw four consecutive touchdowns and lead his team to a championship shows you that he has that it that something special that Jacksonville should be very excited about their future.
1: Oh, I I, yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent on top of that. We even saw it last year. I mean, and of course, uh, like I mentioned last week. I mean, over the last what seven eight games, he's been one of the top. Uh, quarterbacks, at least uh, on quarterback reading, while at quarterback reading mm-hmm. is concerned. So, you know, we everybody under their knew that this guy had all the tools. It was just a matter of okay, can, how does he acclimate himself in, into the from college to the NFL, and will he have the right pieces in with him? Uh, he came in with Travis ATM, his partner over there, but he was hurt his first year. Mm-hmm. 18 is his back now. He's good. He has a year under his belt. This is happening fast. Doug Peterson is a rejuvenator. Mm -hmm. He did it with Philadelphia, now he's doing it with Jacksonville. So it's looking very good, very bright future for the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I hate because to me they remind me of the Pittsburgh Steelers way back when. I I remember when Jacksonville had that uh, great running attack and vaunted defense. Yeah, exactly. And Mark Brunel, Uh, Marcellus. Wiley I think was on there at one point boy they were they gave the Steelers a
0: hard time but anyways yeah no
1: no surprising congrats to Trevor Lawrence
0: so in the NFC right now no surprise Ernie predicted this last week he thought the Giants would go up into Minnesota and beat them they did exactly that 31-24 Minnesota's putrid defense got the best of them Daniel Jones looked like a gangbuster with over 300 yards and three touchdowns two touchdowns over 70 yards uh, as well, being the first quarterback in the history of the NFL to have over 300 yards passing and two touchdowns and more than 70 yards rushing and a touchdown. Um, Minnesota just goes out. So in the in the NFC, we're now set where the Eagles now will play the Giants and San Francisco will play the winner of Dallas and Tampa, Tampa, Bay. Tampa Bay, which happens tomorrow, tomorrow. night. So, The other game in the AFC, there's two more games. One game is still being played with three minutes left. The Bengals are clinging to a 24-17 lead over the Ravens. It's now third and two at the Cincinnati 39-yard line for the Ravens. We'll see how that ends up the game this morning with Buffalo and Miami was a shocker to me again Buffalo statistically dominated the game but those turnovers those Josh Allen turnovers again two interceptions a fumble scoop and score kept Miami in the game it was closer than it needed to be I believe uh, 34 31 but Buffalo does advance so it depends now if Cincinnati holds on we get Buffalo Cincinnati in Buffalo and the Jags will go to Kansas City if Baltimore comes back and wins it'll be Baltimore in Kansas City and Buffalo will play Jacksonville So we'll have to wait and see by the time we're done this game unless it goes to overtime should be complete again It's 24 17 first in 10 Baltimore at the Cincinnati 35 yard line so we'll see how how that transitions. so let's transition into award talk. So I think we all have our opinions. You know, last year I think Ernie and I had diversifying opinions on on many of these, but to me this year, I'm not sure where Ernie's going with this, but for me, most of these awards were so clear cut in my opinion um, that I have a feeling that Ernie and I are going to agree a little bit more than we did last year. So let's start with the major award. For me, it's not even a competition you know at times this year it was but patrick mahomes to me with his 45 uh, total touchdowns he loses tyreek hill he loses his starting running back he loses his other his other wide receivers throughout the uh, throughout the course of the season still leads the league in passing with over 5000 yards still leads the league in touchdowns um, patrick mahomes to me is the clear MVP, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think he's the MVP. I don't think he's as clear as uh, you know your clear is concerned. I mean, I I do like other other uh, options out there. I mean, really, I thought uh, if you're if you're talking week to week, I really thought Josh Allen had a firm a uh, hold on top of this, even though they are currently on a seven game winning streak. Uh, with all those turnovers and whatnot, that kind of took him out of the game. And also, you got to look at Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts had a tremendous year. Now, he did have ho-hum numbers in regards to the passing game, but boy, did his legs produce. Yep, total so, touchdowns. He had 37, 38 yeah, total touchdowns so, with so, 15 so rushing touchdowns. I, so I will, I, 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 I will have to agree with you. Just, just the, the sheer numbers, like you said, of his touchdowns over 5,000 yards and just the record itself, I mean... That's that's MVP caliber, caliber Mahomes,
0: in my opinion wins the MVP. Yeah, I think he's going to be unanimous, but I could be wrong. I think Jalen Hurts, like the AP All-Pro team, Mahomes had 49 out of 50, Jalen Hurts squeezed the other one. I think the MVP will be similar since it's the same people voting. So let's get into offensive and defensive players of the year. This is where we may have a little bit of a difference. Um, I'll go first because mine is more obvious. I think you probably are going to go in a different direction, but for the exact same reasons for MVP, I'm sticking with Patrick Mahomes as the offensive player of the year. Now, Last year, I think we had a divergence. You had the MVP, and then offensive player of the year, you had Cooper Cup, which I think was was relevant. He had an all-time season, won the triple crown, most catches, most yards, most touchdowns. I think Justin Jefferson was on pace to get that, but he really stalled out the last two yeah. games. No, and didn't come close. He didn't get the touchdowns, he didn't come close to the yards, and he really stalled out. So, Justin Jefferson had a phenomenal season. I still believe he comes in second, maybe third here behind Jalen Hurts. But I have Patrick Mahomes as my offensive player of the year.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I'm going with Jalen Hurts for everything I said earlier. I I think it's, it's twofold on top of that. I mean, if you look at the sheer number of touchdowns Jalen Hurts had, he had 13 touchdowns. There is only one running back, one running back who had more touchdowns than Jalen Hurts. Uh, number of first round, uh, down rushing uh, that he picked up He picked up 65 That puts him like in the top six or seven In regards to If you include him with all the running backs mm-hmm. So even though he had like, again Ho-hum uh, passing numbers That is not the scheme that the Philadelphia Eagles play He plays within that scheme And you could say You could argue that he was a He was a system quarterback He's a system quarterback, but I be, but he played it to the max. And for me, uh, being that he did it passing and running, he becomes my offensive, offensive player. player yeah. And I have to say that uh, this I have some prejudice against this because if you listen to this sports uh, podcast throughout the year, I dog Jalen Hurts. I, I I was not Is this a, guilt
0: remorse this, then? This, Are you feeling a little guilty is, so you're giving yeah, him extra
1: this love? Is, this is part of this <laughs> is part of my this is part of the apology uh, <laughs> the process reha- the rehabilitation exactly, process. Here. Exactly, because I feel I mean I dogged this guy. I didn't believe him in at all that this was all smoke and mirrors and process of the system. But the guy just produces and he has he has turned me
0: around I am a believer in Jalen Hurts now all right so I have Patrick Mahomes as the MVP Ernie agrees although he likes Jalen Hurts there as well I stick with Mahomes as the offensive player of the year he goes with Jalen Hurts I actually think Hurts will finish even lower in in this regard because I think Justin Jefferson was spectacular tell me who your defensive player of the year gotta be Nick Bosa I, mean, I don't think it's close 18 and a half sacks two forced
1: fumbles you know in the most dominant yeah, defense, yeah, exactly. I mean, he what he brings, he, he did what uh, T.J. Watt did last, last year. year. Yep. I mean, uh if you wanted to contain him, then someone else was gonna eat. That's just the way. That's just the way it was. You know, something bad was gonna happen no matter what you did, and that's what Bosa bought, brought from the defensive standpoint this year. No, in my opinion. Nobody was close.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think Nick Bosa is going to win this, and I think he's going to win this going away. Whether it's unanimous or not, it remains to be seen. For me, the second-place guy would be Chris Jones from Kansas City. 15 and a half sacks from a defensive tackle position. He's the really only constant on that defense. True defensive stud player on that team. He doesn't have a whole lot of protection around him. I think he had an Aaron Donald like season inside, but I think Nick Bosa is just the most dominant player in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball. And that's coming from a huge fan of Aaron Donald. I think Nick Bosa has passed him and is in the TJ Watt, healthy TJ Watt category being extremely dominant so I agree with Ernie I think Nick Bosa is gonna win that and win that handily so the most competitive award is the offensive rookie of the year because I think you can go in multiple directions so I'm curious to see where you're going because I have like five guys that I don't mind discussing before I, I, I announce my winner, but I wanna, I'm curious where you're gonna go. I like I like Kenneth
1: Walker. Okay. I like Kenneth Walker. I mean, he, right now, if you look at the Vegas line, I mean, you're looking at Garrett Wilson, you know, I think he's the favorite according to Vegas. I mean, you could also go with Crystal Lave from the New Orleans Saints. But for me, it's Kenneth Walker. The guy had over a thousand yards. If you compare that to what Wilson, uh, what, uh, Wilson did, I mean, Wilson only had about less than a hundred yards more than that. But Walker had five more touchdowns. Wilson only had four four or five touchdowns. Walker had nine. And and you're not even counting the the catches. The guy had 27 catches. If you add that total as far as offense is concerned, he surpasses that. He surpasses Wilson. And right now, Wilson is the number one guy. In my opinion, Walker did it on a... In my opinion, you may call it uh, that uh, Wilson played on a... You know, a non-playoff team Tell me in the beginning of the year That you thought Seattle was going to be a playoff team He is a byproduct of why I think he should win this award Because he brought his team into the playoffs That offensive line team I remember talking to Monty earlier in the season The Pittsburgh Steelers during the preseason game Had seven sacks in the preseason against the Seattle Seahawks And we both laughed, but that was just the Seattle Seahawks That line is no good they have no pro bowlers going and uh, coming off of that offensive line. To me, Kenneth
0: Walker, offensive rookie of the year. You see, and Kenneth Walker, so you guys, if you guys listen to this on a weekly basis, when we did the mid-season preview, at that time, Olave was ahead, but I predicted that Kenneth Walker would win the offensive rookie of the year. Now, I believe he's had the best... I, I believe he is the best offensive rookie. I think... Over a thousand yards, ten touchdowns. I think he's going to be Marshawn Lynch like for Seattle over the next few years. Mm-hmm. However, I think Garrett Wilson's going to win the award. Um, now, whether he deserves it more than Kenneth Walker, again, it just remains to be seen. And how you take a look at things, I think Garrett Wilson played the whole year. Kenneth Walker didn't play the first couple of games because he was injured to start the year. Garrett uh, Garrett Wilson had only four touchdowns. So. You know, when you're a running back, you're going to usually be able to get more touchdowns. Um, but he had over 1,100 yards and he was catching balls from gosh knows who. Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson, Mike White. He didn't really have a good quarterback, but he was the constant no matter who was Agreed. throwing. Yeah. He was the constant there. But I love this class. In fact, as we when we talk about the defense, I believe this rookie class is going to be one of the best rookie classes in the last five to ten years so on the offensive side besides Kenneth Walker that we talked about and Garrett Wilson you know Olave had a great year he got banged up their quarterback situation was a mess Damian Pierce for the Texans had a good year as a running back Christian Watson Green Bay's run down the stretch he was a huge part of that with with his touchdowns can you pick it Kenny Pickett. (laughs) I mean, Kenny Pickett down the stretch. You know, he was playing much better. And as a quarterback, I know, honestly, I I don't think he's in the discussion for Offensive Rookie of the Year, but I think he'll be one of the most important players going forward for the Steelers because I think he, you know, I'm a believer in Kenny Pickett. So I I love this whole team. So I'll transition to the defensive side where I think there are three studs but there's no way you can give it to sauce Gardner you as can. a defensive rookie of the year when he's a first team all pro uh-huh. he's the number one vote getter in the entire league for all pro at cornerback. He was flat out brilliant. I mean, yeah. one of the strongest rookie yeah. cornerback seasons I can remember. I mean, Dion was a stud, but Dion was playing baseball when he was a rookie. Yeah. Um, Phenomenal. Your thoughts on Sauce Gardner? Yeah, Sauce. I mean, he has he has the
1: he has the I guess the, the arrogance of Dion, and he backs it up with his play just as well. I mean, boy, when he came out and he and and he was uh, actually being criticized for uh, talking down because the guy would just bring it. And the guy would be jawing, 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 and he was being criticized for that. But he backed it up week after week after week. I agree with you. Sauce Gardner is, if you, if you, if I would say between Nick Bosa and Sauce Gardner, those are the two most. Those are two the two biggest locks. Out of all the awards.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think the world of Garden. I think you can see the value, the true value. One of the things that the Jets did this year was play really, really good defense. Most of those players were there before. The main addition was adding Sauce Gardner to that mix. And when you have a shutdown corner on one side, it allows you to be more aggressive with the blitz because you know he can lock down somebody. You can double up on the other side, knowing he's going to lock down somebody. And you saw huge growth from people like Quinn and Williams as a you know a, a all pro now for the Jets inside. So Sauce Gardner was brilliant. But that being said. Aiden Hutchinson looks like he's a future Nick Bosa. I mean, they wear the same number, they play a similar type of game. He had nine and a half sacks, three interceptions, pass defense, forced fumbles, he came on strong down the stretch. Aiden Hutchinson was the real deal for a Detroit team that looks like they're going to be brilliant going forward And then of course Tariq woolen for seattle led the nfl with six interceptions now I don't know if he's going to continue that going forward. He was a later pick Um, but he shows a lot a lot of gump, but just hutchinson and sauce Gardner alone look to be Future all pros for years to come. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah I mean, uh Hutchinson
1: reminds me of T.J. Watt, you know, not the biggest, but the motor is relentless.
0: Yeah. Relentless. I mean, the guy doesn't give up. He's like the Bosa's. I mean, as when the Bosa's came in, their body types are very similar. They've continued to get bigger. Nick is the biggest. I don't know if Hutchinson's going to get that big, but he doesn't necessarily have to be Nick Bosa to be a stud. Um, I think Detroit's got something going on in, in, in Detroit, and I think he's part of it. Coach of the year. Ernie, what do you think? I got. I'm gonna go with uh, Nick Sirianni. I
1: mean, it's it's close. I mean, there's a number. I I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't hold a, a grudge against anyone if 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 uh, you pick somebody like uh,
0: Dable or somebody like that. Well, oh, real quick, just a second. The Bengals have held on. They survived 4th and 20 at the 27-yard line. The Bengals win 24-17. to 17. I had to let Ernie know that. Yeah, that's my... Because su- it was about to screw up his closing thought if that didn't happen. Yeah, that's my Super Bowl winner. <laughs> there there you mu- go. As much as I hate Cincinnati.
1: But anyways, yeah, I, I'm going to give it to, to, to Nick Sarrani. I mean, you're talking about a coach who, uh, in my opinion, uh, it's almost like how I, I, I didn't... I disrespected Jalen Hurts, I mean. I, I didn't think the Philadelphia Eagles uh, were going to be this dominant. I thought they were going to be good. I didn't think they'd be dominant the way they, they were. And the way they were beating teams uh, earlier in the year were absolute domination. I think their points, the, the point differential was like almost 10 points per game in regards to uh, how they're dismantling other teams. And he did it both on offense and on defense. And again, uh, part of this is that he fit his scheme around Jalen Hurts. He made it work. Of course, his general manager was able to bring in the right parts. But then again, you're talking about someone who took over for Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson, who has turned around the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. That was a good coach. And he couldn't survive Philadelphia. So in my opinion,
0: Nick Sirianni, he deserves it this year. There's going to be a lot of... If you guys are listening in Philadelphia, you're loving Ernie because he's got them winning almost all the awards <laughs> there. But I do agree that Nick Sirianni had a great year, and he's one of five coaches that I wanted to, to, to kind of talk about. Um, my winner would be... Brian Dable. I mean, what he's done with the with the Giants and how he's done it, and how he's improved um, Daniel Jones and made him relevant, I, I, I think is just remarkable. So I, I would go with Brian Dable over Nick Sirianni, but I totally get it. At 14 and three, they were a playoff team last year. They took the next step this year. He's a big part of it. So I do want to mention him. You mentioned Doug Peterson. I think he's done a a great job. They got better as the season progressed. You can see his imprint on making, giving them confidence and they win close games. So that's some coaching that's involved in there. Andy Reid, I think he gets shortchanged because one, he gets he has Patrick Mahomes, yeah. um, and they're always going to be winning. They're the they were the number they are the number one seed for the fifth consecutive season now, um, and you take it for granted a little bit. But part of that is coaching, because yep, he's won before Mahomes, and he's winning now. And and part of the reason that Patrick Mahomes is the MVP is Andy Reid knows how to scheme it. Exactly. No matter who he loses. They became productive. So I wanted to give a shout out to him. And for you, Mike Tomlin, they were two and six. They looked completely out of it. And he found the way to get the Steelers to nine and eight and extend his record of never losing. I believe this is one of his two best coaching jobs ever. Um, There was another year where they were banged up and he found a way to do the exact same thing. It's easier to win when everybody's healthy and you're loaded. This is great coaching to me when you can take a team that's depleted or young and out of it and find a way to keep them motivated on the verge of getting into the playoffs. So I wanted to give a shout out. To Mike Tomlin as well. I go Dable, you go Sirianni. So, a quick recap MVP, Mahomes for both of us. Offensive player of the year, I've got Mahomes. Ernie's got Jalen Hurts. We both like Nick Bosa as, as DOP offensive rookie of the year Garrett Wilson for me Kenneth Walker for Ernie that's going to be close I believe Kenneth Walker is probably the best player um, defensive rookie of the year sauce Gardner Easy. is the truth he's the real deal and then coach of the year Ernie goes Nick Sirianni I go Brian Dable so again hey, how about how about comeback comeback player of the year I didn't even put that down but who do you have for a comeback player of the year I'm gonna go with Saquon Saquon Barkley? Saquon Barkley, and that's why I didn't pick Dable. they very good
1: coach, but I think Saquon had a big part of that. I mean, as the Giants go, as Saquon goes, so do the Giants. And he had another big run today to seal it for the Giants.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I mean, I think Saquon Barkley, I think the fact that he was out last year and he came back and had the season that he did leading the NFC in rushing, I think he's a big part of that. So I would agree. I, I think Saquon Barkley is the easy comeback player of the year I think that could be unanimous as well depending on what you view as comeback player of the year so Social media, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Do you agree with our picks? Who do you think picks for better, Ernie's or mine? Do you have your own? Shout out to uh, anyone who's willing to put up what their awards are, and we can have some dialogue on there as well. So we're about ready to wrap up the show. We're gonna give it to Ernie for his closing thought, but before Ernie, I don't wanna spend a whole lot of time on it. We previewed it last week. We were hoping for a good game. It did not happen. Georgia destroyed TCU. Oh my goodness. 65 to 7. It really looked like the Sisters of the Poor playing against the number one team in the country. Georgia just flat out dominated. And I think that's kind of what we talked about. I think nah. they were they were less than impressive against Ohio State. They learned their lesson. And I think Michigan was less than less than ready for TCU. And uh, TCU advances But when you have We talked about this Last week If Georgia's playing At their peak Even if TCU's Playing at their peak They're gonna get Blown out And Georgia was at Their absolute peak TCU wasn't The result 65-7
1: Yeah give Kirby Smart uh, All the credit In regards to this His team did not let down I thought Georgia Was gonna come in Overconfident I mean On paper It's not even close folks I mean And Georgia proved it Now the are the are the Bulldogs that much better than the Horn Frogs? No. no, I mean they they are they are better than them. But I mean, in my opinion, TCU took a lot of gamble. I mean, I I feel for Duggins. I mean, he tried his best. He did a little too much. Yeah. Once it, it
0: started to snow, well, yeah, and it it, 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 it it
1: started, yeah, it started going downhill after that, and then Georgia just. I mean, they had some spectacular—they had a lot of spectacular splash plays and uh, to, at the expense of TCU. But congratulations to TCU. Congratulations yeah. to the Bulldogs. Back-to-back championships back to
0: ba- for Georgia. Speaking back to of back. back-to-back. It's the University of Hawaii Rainbow Warrior Volleyball Team <laughs> and the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, But let's transition to this. Again, that's Ernie. I'm Monty. We are the sports rivals, proud participants, and members of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We're going to talk a lot more NBA next week. NBA voting should be over by then. We'll have a pretty good indication of who's going to make the all-star team. We'll talk a lot more about that next week. But, Ernie, where are you going to go to discuss your closing thought? Okay. As far as
1: my closing thought, I'm trying to find a way to cling on to the NFL football, being that my team is... Is no, has has not made the playoffs this year. So, in doing that, I have to uh, I have to go based upon who is left in the uh, in the playoff games uh, and and seeing how it can relate to my team. So, I'm going to concentrate on the AFC North. That is my division, the Pittsburgh Steelers division, and I'm going to argue that the AFC North is the best division in football. And let me give you numbers i'm gonna i'm gonna start with numbers and i'm gonna go uh uh, lean back based upon opinion if you look at least on the afc uh, and let me just argue the afc point first because i didn't have enough time to research the nfc Uh, on a division basis if you look at and we're not even i'm not even gonna dwell into the uh into the AFC South because they were just putrid <laughs> you know aside from Jacksonville they were just putrid I mean the Titans really let down and what and whatever but the number of wins in the AFC North they had 38 wins and 29 losses the AFC West with Kansas City uh, leading them at 14 and three as a the division they were 35 and 33 uh, now the East, the way they started out super super strong, okay, with both Miami and the Buffalo Bills and the Jets, yeah, and, and the Jets, the Patriots. yeah, all of them started strong. They only they only finished at thirty seven and thirty, so the North did it more consistently, and I think they did it uh, a lot better towards the ending because if you look at the last five these are the records of the whole division in their last five games now we all know that the Cincinnati Bengals are on the eight game winning show I'm not even going back eight games to skew the numbers I'm going based on the last five the AFC North had 13 wins seven losses the West was barely over 500 they had 12 wins 11 losses and the East came out with a losing record at eight wins and 12 losses. Now, if you look at the two playoff teams that are in for the AFC North, you're looking at the uh, Cincinnati Bengals and Baltimore Ravens, who just knocked each other out. But the leader in the, the, in the West, which was Kansas City, was perfect in their division. The leader in the East, which was the Buffalo Bills, only lost once within their division. Okay, The AFC North was the Cincinnati Bengals. In their division, they finished 3-3. The last place team at the division, the Cleveland Browns, finished 3-3. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens finished 3-3. They were just beating up on each other. No one could dominate that division. No one could dominate that division. And the way they finished at the end, their total record, at least shows me from that perspective, that they're the best division in the AFC uh, in the AFC. Now, if you want to compare that towards uh, who is in the NFC, the divisions with the NFC, I would say the only the only team that has uh, a, shot at, a shot at that would be... Uh, the NFC East. Yeah, the NFC East with Dallas, Philadelphia... And the Giants. And the Giants. That would be all, all that. But even if you look at their last five games, the the North AFC North is better than that. Now, the only true story about the only thing that we can wait for is who becomes the representative of all of this. And like I've said in, in, in prior podcasts, my pick for the AFC, even though I, I, I hate this team, is the, the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't believe that the, the uh, NFC East has a representative in the, in the Super Bowl. I believe it's going to be the San Francisco 49ers. So that, from my opinion, with all those things I, I just said. I believe the AFC North is the best division in football.
0: And that's completely, <laughs> completely objective opinion there. <laughs> Again, you can always count on Ernie to find a way to spin (laughs) his Steelers or Celtics in that matter to be the best. But I I do agree. I mean, I think during the – I I may not agree with necessarily making the last five games be the barometer because in some cases, teams are fading already. Um, But I do agree that they – Everything was expected out of the AFC West, but the Broncos and Raiders were a disaster. You had two playoff teams there. You had the number one seed and the number five seed. You had two coming out of the North, despite the fact that Lamar Jackson did not play the last five, six weeks of the season. And then you had, I think the Browns overachieved considering what they had this year, yeah, even at Deshaun. yeah, Deshaun. even even at you know seven and ten, I believe they they finished with, and the Steelers got to 9-8. So at some point, I thought the AFC North was the second weakest, but over time, I would agree that I think the AFC North is the strongest division, top to bottom, in the AFC. I don't like the NFC East. We refer to them as the NFC Least, but I think at this point, it would be. You would have to not be objective to not have them as the number one, considering they have three teams still in the playoffs. Um, If Dallas beats Tampa Bay, you'll have three of the final four teams in the NFC coming from one division. Now, hopefully, Tampa Bay will beat Dallas. <laughs> anyway, so I would I would say at this point, and then Washington also had a winning record. So you had three playoff teams, and Washington still finished, I believe, at 8-8-1. Eight, eight, so without a losing record, um, they finished at 8-8-1. Eight, eight, so I would say overall, I think you would have to give it to the NFC East. But I, too, agree that San Francisco is the best team in the NFC. So if the barometer is going to be who ends up in the Super Bowl being the best team, then... It's not going to be the NFC East. If the Bengals make it, and I still think they can, they're going to earn it because they're going to have to go to Buffalo and beat Buffalo Mm -hmm. and go to Kansas City and beat Kansas City. They did it last year, going to Tennessee and then Kansas City. They're going to have to earn it again this year. Um... But I like your theory because if San Francisco goes to the Super Bowl, that means the NFC West and my Los Angeles Rams have the best division <laughs> in the NFC. So I'll take that logic. No, it, it, that's, just,
1: that's just one part of the fourth. Uh, you know we Ford were the course. best
0: division last year with the Cardinals, the Rams, and the 49ers all in the playoffs, and the Rams is the Super Bowl. Chat. True, true. So you can take it this year with the AFC North because with the Rams out, I don't really care. Although for all of you Rams fans, we got some really good news yesterday when Sean McVay decided not to step aside he will be back so at this time next year we'll be talking about the Los Angeles Rams run to a second Super Bowl <laughs> in three years <laughs> well they, they cannot—they can't have as bad as uh, I mean everything they, went wrong yeah, this year and, and they, they can't know, can't so be that asked, can't happen again yeah,
1: there's no way they're going to be that injured
0: yeah they, they can't I mean they definitely can't so again gang we are Ernie and Monty the sports rivals we're starting our third season, um, third year in providing these sports podcasts. We're excited to be a part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. A reminder that Kule and Allen on Wake Up in the Den every single morning from 8 a.m. till 9 a.m. on 760 a.m. 95.1 fm on your radio dial. Don't forget OIA sports, Clippers basketball, cowboys football usc football when that's there as well it is the fastest growing sports radio station in the state of hawaii check them out on a daily basis ernie got anything else you want to cover i'm good happy martin luther king Day, everyone and for the sports rivals we're out Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.